Sweet. You ready to go? I'm ready to go. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you so much for uh, being on our podcast. Mm, thanks for inviting me. Yeah, it's interesting because this is our first audio only. We usually do a video. We have like a whole crew come, but uh, you requested audio only, so we're doing audio. <laughs> well, as some of the people on NPR say all the time, I have a face for radio. Yeah. Well, you sound like you have a good voice for it, so... Let's get started. So I want to kind of go about how you got into your career. You seem like you're doing a lot of great things in the community. A lot of people, I mean, Brian's like the, a lot of people that I meet talk about Brian and the work they do. So I kind of want to, I want to know how this all started, how this all kind of created into what it manifested today. So begin by introducing yourself to the audience, sure. what you do, who you are, and then we'll get started from there. My name is Brian Dozer, and I'm the director of the Webster University Irvine campus. Um, it is a part of the Webster University system, which is a global university in eight countries and approximately 60 campuses around the world. And so um, on a day-to-day -day basis, I run the campus in Irvine, California. Very cool. And how? so how did you get into this uh, educational sector? So my previous career was advertising sales so i worked for or with television stations selling their advertising to advertising agencies mm -hmm. and <coughs> along about well when was the last financial meltdown 2008 2009 yeah. um my wife had an opportunity to move to st louis and um, she worked for anheuser bush and i was laid off from a startup um, because it was a marketing startup and around then you know all the marketing dollars were drying up mm -hmm. and so I had decided to get out of the advertising and marketing business and took that opportunity to go back to school and when we moved to St. Louis I was looking for a doctoral program okay. and Webster University offers a doctor of management <coughs> program and so um, I joined that in October of 2009 okay um, and started studying toward my doctorate. It had always been a dream of mine. And so my thought was that eventually what I would do is I would take that and I would transition into a role, perhaps with a community college, um, as a faculty member. Okay. Um, fast forward about three years, I'm wrapping up the program. My wife is originally from Southern California. She decides she would like to move back to Southern California from our, you know, where, where Anheuser-Busch is headquartered, which is mm -hmm. St. Louis, Missouri. Mm-hmm. We move back here and um, I finish up my research on my dissertation and start teaching at the Webster campus. Okay. So did, so was this all kind of like planned out for you or did you kind of like stumble on the opportunity? I pretty much had planned to teach, mm -hmm. um, but the, current oppor the, the opportunity for my current position as director of the campus is something um, that as I started working here and teaching here, I realized that I really loved the way that Webster educates its students. Um, it takes a very um, hands-on approach. Um, it is a very student-centric university. At this campus, we work exclusively with adult learners, and I like working with adult learners. And I actually had a job in administration with another um, smaller university locally that I used to prepare me for this position. So I kind of stumbled into it. Yeah. But once I saw that it was a path for me um, two, three, four years down the road, um, I made it a conscious effort to get the training and experience that I needed to be ready for this role. Mm -hmm. It's interesting because you were in a completely different sector. Yes. Before you got into this. Yes. And uh, so that shift must have been uh, 
how was it when you first started was it like confusing did you have some you know problems adjusting to the new industry um a little bit um you know i think learning um how an institution of higher education operates um i had a very very steep learning curve mm -hmm. there's no doubt about it um but I was also very fortunate in that my predecessor hadn't just quit and walked out the door. He had retired, and I kept him on as as a faculty member here at the campus, and so I was able to rely on him for expertise. Like a mentor. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Okay. And um, to this day, I still talk to him. You know, he he comes around the campus quite a bit. He teaches for us sometimes, so I still talk to him quite a bit. But absolutely, um, my learning curve was was really quite how quickly stupid. did you have to learn everything immediately so <laughs> it was it no really time. was a um you know the analogy that i used was that um i was at the beach there was a line of sharks they threw me out past the line of sharks and said if you can make it back to the shore then um you'll be a success if, you, if you don't well then you're <laughs> you shark bait, right sharks. <laughs> so um it was immediate and the campus was um, i won't say distressed but um it wasn't as successful as it had been in the past mm -hmm. um not because of any failure of my predecessor um, by any stretch of the imagination it was just um, there was a sea change in higher education that was happening and it's something that continues today and it continues to make it a very challenging sector and um most universities especially smaller private nonprofits like mm -hmm. webster university mm -hmm. um, have seen this and you've seen um, universities close or have to restructure all over <coughs> the united states over the last probably five six years you'll yeah. probably see more of that mm -hmm. um and so this was a campus that was you know the question was will it survive and so um, not only did i have to learn a new job a new industry I also had that staring me in the mm -hmm. face. And so I had to turn it around quickly. So what's interesting about this podcast specifically is you have uh, an educator sitting on one side mm -hmm. and another person who dropped out of college sitting on the other side. Mm -hmm. So my view on education is completely, I would say, different mm -hmm. than your view is. Mm -hmm. And I kind of want to dive into that to sure. see like where, because sure. I, I do see like Webster is a bit tad different just from walking into the office, seeing how you guys operate. It's a little different than what I've seen. I, I used to go to IBC. Mm -hmm. I sure. went there for a mm -hmm. uh, couple years. And then after that, I just never really saw the opportunity that I s wanted to seek for myself in my career through education. Um, not that I'm against education. I learn every single mm -hmm. day on my own. It's just the way the system is set up. I feel like it's a little too old school. What's your uh, what's your key on that? Like your two cents on that? So I think I have a bit of a different view than a lot of people in higher education. And I know I have a different view than a lot of parents. So mm. um, I have a 17-year-old daughter who is <coughs> in her search for a college. Mm -hmm. um, she wants a traditional four-year experience. Not everyone does. Um, but I think there is a lot of pressure from parents of high school students. Sure. Um, because they see the research that says, um, you know, incomes for those with diplomas are higher on average than those without. Mm -hmm. um, that doesn't mean that a two-year or a four-year degree is the right choice for everyone. Um, I think education, is, you get education where you find it. And if you're the type of person um, who 
finds value in sitting in a classroom and, and learning that way, um, and however that is structured, then that's what you should do. If you don't feel that that's the best fit for you, then you shouldn't be there. Mm-hmm. Um, just like a job, you should not be doing a job that, that you don't feel is a good fit. Yeah. And so I had this discussion probably last fall with some friends of ours in Seattle mm-hmm. whose son had said, you know, what I really want to do is I want to move into a field that's more aligned with, say, career and technical education, some some sort of vocation. And his mother said, absolutely not. You're going to a four year. And I said, why are you driving him to a four year? I said, what you're setting him up to do is to fail. Right. And um, the research may say that some, you know, someone with a four year degree earns a better income over their lifetime. But income is not the end all be all. And there are many, many people who um, either don't get a formal degree or go get some sort of vocational education who are very happy, make good livings. And, um, you know, I understand that a four-year education and a master's degree is not the right path for everyone. Yeah. And so what you have to do is, is find that path. Figure well, that out. One of my best friends here, just he could not sit in classrooms. It just didn't make any sense for him, right? Um, he does very valuable work um, working for a local company um, that goes out and installs high-end um, sound systems, audiovisual systems. And then he also does a side business um, uh, with woodworking. Yeah. He's very happy. He's got a fantastic life. He does not have a four-year degree. Um, and so um, I really, and, and I take this I take this approach with everyone who walks in my door who's interested in attending at, at Webster University in Irvine. Um, fit is very, very important. Mm-hmm. And um, if you're in it just for the piece of paper, then perhaps you're in it for the wrong reasons. Um, if you're in it because you want to learn a certain subject and then use that to propel yourself forward, great. I have a place for you. Um, but again, um, education, you know, there's, we really need to get away from saying that there is one answer for every student. Um, and because of, I think because of societal pressures and parental pressures and things like that, a lot of kids end up, and and by kids, you know, I mean 18, 19, 20-year-olds, yeah. end up in a place that perhaps isn't the best fit for them. There's a huge educational gap of career choice mm-hmm. when it comes to millennials. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of people that work with me on my team for the podcast. Uh, I have a couple people who are studying, mm-hmm. don't really want to be there, but have to because parents said so. Mm-hmm. And it's it's tough because when you're 18, 19, especially for me coming from a Middle Eastern culture, 18, 19, 20 doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. You're at home until you're married. So mm-hmm. it doesn't matter if you're 40, 50. <laughs> so there's no 18 year old. I make my own decisions. Right. That doesn't exist. So if the mother or the father says you go to school, you go to school. And it's so sad because I'm see- I-, I see so many personalities who have so much potential to really flourish outside mm-hmm. of that classroom setting but they're not able to and they're put in this setting that actually hinders their quality of success right because them being in a classroom is more of a con than them being outside and figuring it out on themselves mm-hmm. because and and that's where i go that's why i said education is super important because i don't think you shouldn't learn i just think that the way you do learn shouldn't really matter as long as the result is the same right 
So like if you're if you're trying to achieve a high level of success, whether you go about it option A or option C, whatever fits you best, both ways end you up with the same result, then then that makes sense. I just I just I think today's society is so used to being comfortable and having a degree is like the I wouldn't say the easy way out. I would say it's like the just in case. Like you never know what may happen. A degree can save me. So there's what's what's your two cents on that? I think um <clears throat> When the economy is good, mm-hmm. the degree matters less. But what I have seen um, from, <coughs> you know, and as you said, I work with a lot of companies in the community. Um, yeah. I'm out and about through my involvement with the Greater Irvine Chamber of Commerce and um, other organizations that whether I, where I either sit on the board or volunteer or help. And so I talk to a lot of people, and we have some partners with with our campus that we talk to on a regular basis as well. And what I have seen more and more um, for certain jobs within um, our our local companies, the piece of paper is a price of admission. Hmm. And so, um, you know, I won't I won't say this is the case for every one of my undergraduate students, but my undergraduate population, I think the average age is probably twenty eight or twenty nine. Okay. And so this is a group of people who've um, gotten jobs at local companies and are bumping up against something that is keeping them from getting promoted. And typically that is the degree. A piece of paper. Yep. I see. And so um, you are seeing more seeing more and more organizations saying, if you want to get to that next level, you need to go back and get and get your degree. I will I will draw a line between um, that type of student and someone who is fresh out of um, high school going to school to get a degree. Um, these are students who are very purposeful about what they're studying and they are taking what they're learning, whether it's in an HR management class or a critical thinking class or a financial entrepreneurship class, they are taking that directly back into their jobs. And so yeah. they are um, hopefully at the end of the night, at the end of the week, at the end of the term, at the end of their degree, <coughs> they are seeing real value of what they are learning and how it in trans- real life. and it, how it translates into their jobs. Um, and so that's a different type of, of undergraduate education than someone who is just fresh out of high school and whose parents are saying, no, you're going to a four-year school. I don't think you should force students to go to a four-year school if they don't want to, mm-hmm. right? Um, and it is, it's a tough question. Um, you know, one of the things you said you went to Irvine Valley College, we are very fortunate in Southern California or in California that we have a fantastic community college system. Yeah, they're awesome, yeah. Um, and it's not really expensive, especially compared to a traditional four-year degree, or especially for private some private universities. Um, you know, the Harvards and Stanfords of the world are charging seventy-five thousand dollars a year. That's a lot of money. A lot that's more a than lot like of, your three, four grand that I see. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so, if a student does want to explore, um, they should take advantage of the community college system, right? Um, the community colleges are also great for high school students. My daughter, um, this afternoon, I'm dropping off her paperwork at Saddleback. She wants to take a Python programming course. Eventually, she wants to get into astrophysics. She needs to understand a little bit about Python programming. So she's probably going to take that this summer. That's an opportunity for her to do some exploration and kind of figure those things those things out. And, um, you know, the community colleges here offer that um, if a student doesn't know exactly where she or he wants mm-hmm. wants to go and what they want to do. But again, at the end of the day, if that's not your thing, then you shouldn't be doing it. 
Yeah. Um, you know, we have this, uh, so I'm the co-chair of the business and workforce development committee at the greater Irvine chamber. And one of the things we talk about is what are the future of jobs and what are the jobs that we need? Um, and I don't know the exact statistics, but at a recent meeting, someone mentioned that, um, we are facing a severe shortage of plumbers in the next 10 years because the average age of a plumber in Orange County um, is pretty close to retirement. Really? And so what's going to happen when all the plumbers retire and all of our pipes start getting clogged up? We don't have up, any plumbers. Right? Yeah. Um, you know, so, so those types of jobs, plumbing jobs, HVAC jobs, car repair jobs, those types of things sometimes get frowned upon because – you know, they're not office jobs. They're not white collar jobs. They're blue collar jobs. Um, but those are very valuable skills and really needed and actually are going to be more and more needed. And we need to um, have students who are interested in those things. But again, I think a lot of it comes back to parents and expectations. And a parent may look and say, oh, I want my kid to go be an astrophysicist rather than a plumber. Make more money. It sounds better. Right. Yeah. By the way. Plumbers make really good money. Really? Right. Yes. Huh. Yes. I had no idea. Um, but there is a lot of societal pressure, right? And, and you know, I can't speak firsthand from the schools, but I hear anecdotally from parents and, and from, from businesses um, that there is a lot of pressure in the schools for students to, you know, to go into that four-year um, path. To level it up. Uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. It's interesting because uh, speaking of that pressure – it's we live in a society that I feel like is all about looking good and people which mu would much rather pick a pathway that makes them look good versus something mm -hmm. that actually makes them feel happy. Right. And it's this it's it's really sad. I see it a lot in people our ages, like we're, we're 21 and mm -hmm. above and under. It's and it's like because they think that whatever they want to do in life is not the right choice. Again, it goes back to societal pressure and all mm -hmm. that kind of, you know, you know, condescending attitude you receive from the outside world if you don't, you know, follow what's right. right. But what I love about what you guys do over here at Webster is I feel like you guys are a lot more honed in and focused on creating like classes that are could be automatically applied to the real world instantaneously. Mm -hmm. Correct. I love right. that because yeah. I think that's a lot more effective than what you go and mm -hmm. learn in a four year. Because in a four year or at least a community college, there's so many GEs, there's like random mm -hmm. classes and Someone like me who can't even focus, <laughs> barely focus in the classroom setting. I'm sitting here thinking to myself, like how, like, for example, say I'm like studying in marketing or say I'm studying and I want to get into sales. Right. How is this going to help me level up my income in sales? And the answer is most of the time. No, like it, it like it just it just doesn't like I don't see how that works. Like for even for like engineers and things like that, they take so many classes that I believe could be a like cut off a little bit. Uh, and more they should and I feel like education should be more focused on the specifics of what you need to kind of take and go off and, you know, apply it to the real life. And I understand that. I mean, they say they say it's like building, you know, skill building, all that stuff. I get that. You kind of get that throughout your entire life up until college. I'm saying that after high school, college should be like a choice. That's why I love what you guys do here, because it's like I can come here and be like, you know, take cybersecurity as an example. I want to take cybersecurity classes. Well, okay, then this, you can take this, 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 and you'll end up with this degree, and then you can immediately apply that to a career path, and that's awesome because first, you save so much money. You save so much time. This is direct to the point. You're not taking extra classes that are that you probably will forget the moment you step out of the classroom, and um, so that's kind of what I appreciate what you guys do over what many people do, 
And I just kind of, I may be completely wrong, but I have this theory that I feel like the educational system is going to kind of move towards that. I think um, you're going to see a lot of change in the education system over the next few years. Um, and there, I'm not saying that there's not value in general education programs for undergraduate students, because there is. Um, learning about different things. And, and, you know, one of the things we also know is that something like 50% of students who enroll in a four-year college with a thinking this is what I want to study end up changing their minds because they take another course and discover a passion. And so there can be some, there can be some real benefit from mm. that. Okay. And there are certain jobs where you do need an education. You mentioned engineering. You know what? Honestly, I want our civil engineers to have way as many classes as they can take. Why? Because we need strong buildings and strong roads and the more education absolutely, they get, yeah. the better. And so for certain career paths, absolutely higher education has to, you know, I just think it's not directed efficiently um, with today's very fast-moving pace society. Perhaps not. Um, but, you know, th there are schools of thought both ways mm -hmm. on, on whether there is a lot of value in some of the general education stuff. And, and um, again, I think it depends on the individual and what they want to do and, and, and what they want to achieve and mm -hmm. whether they're serious about it. You know, so I just enrolled an undergraduate student um, who needs an elective course in cultural anthropology. Um, she's not going to go into cultural anthropology, but perhaps there are things that she will learn in that class that will help her in her career, help her understand um, how cultures work, how um, the world works. And so perhaps let's say she goes into marketing. She has perhaps gained some insight that will help People her skills. in her job. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And um, so, you know, I, I don't think that we should be doing, you know, general elective courses that are not focused. We do need to be more focused in, in what we have our students taking. Um, and that is one of the things that we really try and do. So, you know, all the, the degrees that we offer here at the campus and, and the classes that I offer on ground here um, are meant to be applicable and practical. And, you know, I and I so I think, you know, there are two ways to do that. One is through the design of the curriculum and the course. And, and I actually think Western University does a really good job with that. Mm -hmm. And then the other thing at this campus that we do is I hire practitioners. So um, the person teaching my social engineering course in cybersecurity um, works as the chief information security officer for a large local company. I love that. I love it's that his, so much. Yeah. It's his job to I love that prevent very much, yeah. his organization from being breached mm -hmm. through phishing attacks, you know, some sort of social engineering. The person that teaches my um, statistics class is um, a math teacher, right? Uh, the person who teaches my accounting class is a CPA. Um, they bring what's happening in, a, in their jobs on a day-to-day -day basis into the classroom. And so we don't, you don't find a lot of, you know, what we would call sage on the stage here, you know, someone standing up and just lecturing at people. We tend to have very interactive classes that are meant, and, and when I teach, you know, I teach business and organizational behavior and management, and when I, and when I teach, what I do is, um, you know, I may be talking about, let's say, motivation, this term. And so motivation for this group of students is completely different from the, from the last group of, stu mm -hmm. of students because of the composition of the class. And so, you know, those 12 or 15 students, which is about our average class size, um, they will have different views and feelings about motivation. And so it's my job to draw all of that out and help 
others see, you know, the different viewpoints. Um, you know, you mentioned, um, you know, that you're from a Middle Eastern culture. The view of motivation there is different than from um, Eastern Asian culture mm -hmm. and from an American culture and from a post-Soviet bloc country culture and from somebody who's in the military. And so, um, you know, so we can sit down and talk about in our classes what those differences are, why they're there, and as a manager or an employee in an organization, how we handle that. And so, um, you know, across all of our classes, that's what we're trying to do is, is to bring that real world applicability um, into the classroom so that when they walk out at the end of the term or at the end of their degree, they see that they got value out of it. And, you know, kind of going back to the very beginning, you know, is there value in higher education? Um, it really does depend upon the student. For some students, it's not Too going, many different, it's, yeah. it's not going to be the best thing for them. But for some students who real and, and I want students who want to learn in our classroom, and when they do, they do terrific Phenomenal. in their careers, yeah. right? We just had somebody who joined the cybersecurity program so that he could learn the knowledge base and the skills to transfer into cybersecurity within his organization. And that's exactly what happened. Mm -hmm. That is a huge success for higher education and for, you know, in general and for Webster specifically. And that's what we want to see. It's I love what you guys are doing here, first off, seriously, especially since you guys are filling that gap that whoever's teaching the class is actually doing it themselves. Mm -hmm. That's a huge problem I had with, I guess it was my own egotistical battle, but I'd walk in a class trying to get taught how to run a business and this guy's a professor, you know? Like, mm -hmm. he's had a couple businesses, but not, didn't really succeed at the level that I wanted to be mm -hmm. at. And so I said to myself, how does this person, that's one of the reasons why I dropped out. Because like, how does this person have the right resume to be teaching me what to do when he hasn't really, he or she hasn't really fully like applied it or is currently applying it, mm -hmm. you know? So I, I really like what you guys are doing here. Uh, before we end off here, I kind of want to dive into the topic of education before college. Mm -hmm. So what's your, what's your two cents on that? Because uh, well, growing up, I personally hated the fact that they had different like, oh, the special ed classes or the mm -hmm. gated classes or the normal classes. Because then it's like it, it puts the stigma that kids are kids. They don't know better. You know what I mean? So they walk around like, oh, I'm in gated. Like, I'm smarter than you or I'm better than you or this. Or, and you see that in high schools. Some people assume they're better than others due to certain things. Oh, I, I if you play in sports, you're like the cool kid in school, you know? And I don't even know. I think high schools have changed a lot since, like, <laughs> I've been. <laughs> but because uh, I was talking to a couple of high schools recently, I'm like, man, you guys – it's a completely different environment there. I was homeschooled throughout that, so I didn't even really get to experience it, which I don't really regret too much. But I want to get your two cents on that. It, it's, I feel like the way the educational system is built is great. I understand there's value to it, right? And I'm all about education. I just seriously dislike the whole ranking and the whole – because like I feel like everybody has the possibility of being genius no matter what. Even if you have mental health problems, I'm sure you can figure out something that you could be amazing at. Like, is it really right to tell a human being, another human soul, that you're at a higher level than someone else? But going back to the beginning of human history, we have ranked everything. I know. It is, it is, <laughs> it's I a mean, big you're, problem. You're asking, you know, you're talking about changing how humans are wired. I understand right? it's a big problem. Now, yeah. um, going back to your to your original question at, at the beginning of that. Um, I would, I would ask, is it a school problem 
or is it a parental problem? Um, I have a daughter who I think is pretty sharp. Um, I have not praised her for being smart or tried to inflate her ego of herself. What I have praised her for is her work ethic um, and her persistence. Um, and honestly, you know, and I say to her all the time, the world is filled with lazy, smart people who are never going to achieve anything. Uh, that's true. And, um, and it really is. And so, um, you know, what, what I have said to her is what I'm most impressed with. Um, and again, she's a junior in high school. I've never once had to come home and say, do your homework. Not once, not in 11 years. Um, and so I'm more impressed with that. Um, and so that's the focus that I have. Um, if I took the other approach, oh, you're so smart. Oh, you're so smart. You're better than everyone else. <coughs> on and on and on. What's she going to go to school and do? Do that same. Like she's she's going to do that same that thing. Behavior. But in her class, um, at, at least from what I've heard back from her teachers, is that she's a, a quiet leader. She leads by example. She is always willing to help out others. And she works very, very hard. She probably um, doesn't get the best grades in every class. And um, I'm okay with that. That doesn't matter. Um, what matters is that she's working hard. She learns from her, her mistakes and she doesn't give up. Um, and, you know, and I've said this to so many people. I would rather have somebody in one of my classes that I'm teaching who is, let's say, normally a B student who is working so very hard to learn what we're teaching. And they're because I know that when they get into a job and the wall is put up in front of them, they are going to find a way over it, around it, under it, through it, whatever. Right. Mm -hmm. Rather than someone who just kind of coasts through and everything is easy for them and their parents have inflated their sense of self ego. And perhaps the school has as well, because then when that wall is put in front of them and they've never had to face those challenges, then they're not um, they're not equipped to, for, to, to figure to get out over it. Yeah. To, to deal with the problem. I've never thought of it as a parental issue. That's an interesting it, perspective. It that. really is. And, and, you know, we're in um, one of, you know, Irvine is a very competitive school district. Yeah. And, um, it's also a very, very good school district. Um, but you see a lot of competition. And my daughter's not in the Irvine school district. She goes to a, um, an art school. Um, but that school is also very, very competitive. Um, and for me, that's what I lament is that um, I think today it is really, really hard to be a high school student. And this is, you know, this is my own anecdotal experience with my daughter. I think it is really, really hard. Um, I think the stresses from um, the potential of guns in schools, um, the issues with anti-whatever, yeah. right? The peer days, pressure for drugs. The peer pressure, um, the all prevalence that. of drugs and yeah. all of those things, plus the competition to get into schools. I mean, you know, think about it. The UC schools get 115,000 applications a year. I think last year UCI set uh, a record at like 117,000 applications. Wow. Um, and so, you know, even at the state schools, the competition for seats is absolutely unbelievable. And so... If kids do want to go to a four-year school, it's really tough. Um, as I was saying to you before we started this, I recently did a trip to the East Coast. And we looked um, we looked at some state schools, we looked at some private schools, and we actually went to a couple of Ivies. You know, the Ivy schools, they accept between 5 and 8% of the, of the students that apply. 
so you take a room of a hundred kids and only seven are going to get in. Yeah. I mean, that is, and the kids who are attending in high school, they know this. And so the pressure is on them to take more and more AP classes and to, to stand out just more. To abs- yeah, to yeah. try and stand out more. And um, I lament that. I mean, I, I wish, you know, my daughter um, could just kind of take more time off and away from her studies. Um, but like I said, she goes to an art school. She gets there at 745 in the morning. She doesn't get home until 545 at night because she has arts classes um, for three hours after the normal school would be over. And then she studies until 10 or 11. And that's just to, to stay caught up. And um, so I think that's the bigger issue that we have with education is, is um, are, Too time are, are, well, are we burning out our kids before they even get to college? Huh. Right. Um, oh, college is ridiculous. And, you know, my sister just got into UCI. Right. And she has a friend over. She's had a friend over at our house for the past three days. And they've been having sleepovers. Mm-hmm. Like all I see them do is study. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what the hell are you guys like? Like right. how much work do you guys right. have? It, it just doesn't it's stop. It's intense. And, you know, what's what's the number one cause of death of of teens? Depression. Yeah. Depression and suicide, yeah. right? Um, I mean, I you know, I don't know the research on it, but um, it's it's an issue, right? And it's, and that's and why it's certainly an issue are, here in Orange County. Yeah. I mean, we've seen more. Well, drugs is drugs. Drugs is the suicide. Numb, it's the numb. It's, right? They numb themselves. It's like the easy way out. And so... Um, yeah, I'm not an expert in this area, but you know, as a parent watching my daughter, it is it is a concern. I would love for her to get to Friday and then just, you know, honestly, when I got to Friday, I kind of coasted through in, in high school. I coasted through until Sunday, and then if I had anything Sunday night, I'd knuckle down and do it. Yeah, she spent most of Saturday doing homework. That's to me. Um, the, the system, the way this, and, and I'm not going to blame her high school because I think it's the broader system. And I think it's, I think it's the competition to get into schools is so intense, um, that that's what they have to do. You have to have the right test scores. You, I mean, you have to have a resume now as a high school student. A resume? I, yeah. Really? Yeah. Oh. I mean, if you want, if you want to get into one of the most elite universities in the country. I've never tried. So. Um, <laughs> You know, they do what they, they, they say it's, it's a holistic admissions process. So it's not just your grades. It's not just your test scores. It's what you do outside of class as well. Right. Were you involved in a nonprofit? Did you do this? Were you involved in this group? What, you know, what did you do? Yeah. And, um, and so, you know, amidst all of this studying that your sister and my daughter are doing, they also are supposed to be leaders in other organizations outside as well. They're expected to do a lot. They are. Wow. I they didn't, are. I didn't, I didn't, it's a, this is a whole, I was really excited for this podcast because uh, I kind of gave up on the educational system myself. I just was like, I'm just going to go build my own company, do my own thing. But I've always been curious to know why certain students do what they do. Why mm-hmm. all, cause like, I'm not kidding with you. Like she's, my sister's been studying nonstop past 72 hours. Mm-hmm. She takes breaks to take naps. So she's probably coming up on some AP tests. Or like she has like fi- I think they have like finals. I don't. It's a, she goes to UCI. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So like oh, oh, she's at UCI. She's at okay. UCI. Yeah. So yeah. finals are coming up. Yeah. Right. It's the end of the quarter. Yeah. So yeah. like seventy two hours, and she takes her breaks. I swear, I went yesterday. She was having one dinner with her friend, mm-hmm. and then her friends was like, "Oh, let's take a break. Let's go take a nap." That's their break, <laughs> because they need to rejuvenate their brain cells to be able to focus. Yeah. 
And she loves it. She's like, I love this lifestyle. And I'm just like, really? Seems really kind of depressing because all you're but doing. See, that goes back to. It depends origin. on the person. It depends on the person. Yeah. Right. It's not right for you, but it might be right for her. And so, again, it all comes down to fit. But where's the creativity? Where's the room for creativity for the student in this? Well, I don't know what she's studying, but I mean, within. So my daughter wants to go into astrophysics. Sure. Right. There is lots of room for creative thinking and critical thinking within that. Oh, they right. do that. Okay. Um, what's your sister studying? So she's, she's, and what I mean by creativity is this. I feel like because she's so bombarded by school and things to do mm-hmm. that there's no room for exploration. Like you brought up like the idea of like traveling. I think mm-hmm. that's awesome because mm-hmm. there's still a whole world out there needed to be seen, you know, because once you get into the workforce, it's kind of like this thing that you do for the rest of your life and it's not going to stop. Right. So like, I feel like kids before they do need to get the advantage of being able to explore other things outside of the and again, I'm a completely different thinker. It goes back to parents. So yeah, I'm a completely right. different thinker. I'm I'm not your I wouldn't say I'm your typical Joe that goes to school. I never really accepted it. I actually had to shift my parents' perspectives on it because they were very my mom was never um my mom was never like uh about she didn't care what I did. She's like as long as you get successful. My dad, yeah, fifty fifty. You know, and it took it took a it took a while for him to kind of understand and see that, oh, you know what, I actually have I think because they get this fear of like if he doesn't have a degree, and if he fails, oh shoot, something might happen, right? When it's He's like live with me forever. <laughs> <laughs> what is, As a parent, that's also something I look at. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, I mean, I don't have kids. Again, I don't know. There's a lot of things I'm still yeah, learning I, about life. I said to my daughter, if you go into astrophysics, there's two routes. It's either into grad school or it's Starbucks because you know there, <laughs> there aren't a lot of undergraduate astrophysics jobs out there. Yeah. Um, um, and, and I joke um, because, yeah. you know, physics is a skill set that is applicable to many, many different industries. But, um, you know, I think some parents, they do think that they're like, For sure. you know, if you don't go get a degree, then you're never going to get out from my roof. And I want to go, uh, you know, I, I've had 18 years with you. Yeah. Um, but again, you I know, see the gap now, though. People, I do. people need to be themselves and they yeah. need to find their paths. Um, and there is a lot of value in education helping people find their paths um but if it's if that's not your path then you shouldn't you shouldn't try and stay on it you need to get off and so um for someone like you you're doing something that you love it's obvious right and um that's important there's a lot of value in happiness um, that doesn't show up necessarily in the in a paycheck um and um you know i think a lot of parents at least in the United States, have this view of we all want our kids to do better than us. And um, we think, all right, well, I have an education. You know, I have a doctorate. My wife has an MBA. So how's my daughter going to do better than us in a system that honestly is is um, quite rigged um, against those who aren't already at the top? Um, and, um, you know, so you ask yourself, how is she going to get ahead? Well, you know, she's going to need two PhDs or, you know, <laughs> two PhDs. Um, I joke, <laughs> really but, focus on um, one. you know, but I yeah. think parents look at that and they say, well, how am I, if, if my kid isn't going to go get a four year degree, because that was my path and that's the path sure. that I know, um, then how are they going to be successful? And so, um, I think a lot of it does come down to, you know, schools can probably do a better job of, of offering career and technical education opportunities to students and also educating parents on what those are and how those can be of value to the students. Um, and 
you know, honestly, as the structure of the U.S. workforce changes over time, um, and there are less and less manufacturing and blue collar jobs because so much. And by the way, it's not that we're shipping the jobs overseas; it's that they are becoming um, automated. automated. Yeah, robotics. Right? Yeah. And so, um, but there are a lot of jobs there for people to go and maintain and manage the robots. And by I the way, you don't have everyone. to have a, you don't have to have a PhD everyone that's to do that. Yeah, right? everyone you that's can, worried about like the whole. You can yeah. go to the community colleges and get the associate's degree that you need to go run some high-tech manufacturing and 100%. have a very good living. Yeah. And so, you know, again, I think a lot of it is about exposing people to as many different opportunities as we can to make sure that they can find their path, right? I, you know, I think um, unhappiness is, a lot of times, is caused by your job. Yep. Um, you know, where do we spend most of our time? Either asleep or in our job. Right. Um, and, you know, if you're if you don't like your job, if you don't like your career path, you know what you're I guarantee you, you're taking that home with you to your family, to your you know, sure. your spouse, your kids, your friends, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Right. And so um, I think um, I, I just I really believe people need to find their own paths. Um, and that can be through higher education, um, but it doesn't always have to be. And just do what you love. Right. You know, you be you, ah, right? I love that. I'll be me. Um, and, um, it, you know, it, people just need to find their own path. Mm -hmm. Now, there are a whole, you know, now, you know, we could also, we could probably sit here for another hour and talk about <laughs> how much college costs and <laughs> yeah, all yeah. of these other things. The things about these podcasts, what right. happens is about, you first meet the person. You're yeah. like, okay, I like this. And then yeah. 20 minutes in, the conversation gets heated. Yeah. And then 40 minutes in when like usually we wrap things up, the conversation is on fire. Yeah. So there's certain guests that are like so busy that I'm like, oh my God, I can sit with them for like two hours and keep rambling mm -hmm. about this subject. Mm -hmm. But it's like, unfortunately, time is uh, time mm -hmm. is of essence. So where can people find you if they want to find their path with Webster University? So um, it's really simple. It's webster.edu slash Irvine. All of our contact information is on there. Um, people can also reach out to me on LinkedIn. I use LinkedIn. I think it's a very, very valuable tool. Um, it's just linkedin.com slash in slash Brian Dozer, B-R-I-A-N-D-O-Z-E-R. I'm happy to connect with people. Um, I have found it to be, for me, one of the most valuable tools for- LinkedIn's awesome. Uh, yeah, yeah, for raising awareness of, of Webster University um, in Irvine and also talking about some of the events that I am involved in because I, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit, of, as you know, I'm a little bit of everywhere. Um, and, um, you know, sit on a few boards and organize a lot of different things like cybersecurity symposia and forums and seminars and things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I'm happy to reach out and talk to people. I, I, I staffed almost my entire cybersecurity program by just doing LinkedIn searches on people and reaching out. That's to awesome. Them. Yeah. And, um, you know, I know, um, you know, I've lived in a lot of places, St. Louis, Seattle, Los Angeles, and Orange County, and then in the middle of Indiana, and I've worked in all of those areas. And one of the things I found about Orange County and Irvine is that, um, your network is really, really, really critically important. Network is your net worth. That's uh... yeah. And, and <laughs> it's huge. People don't get jobs in this county without knowing, knowing someone. Someone. And so when when my graduate students come in, especially my international students who don't necessarily have the network, I try and make sure I, I can tap them into my network. Um, you know, but the first question I ask them is, where are you going to network? And if they say network. I know that they're not going to find a job. 
right? Huh. And so um, we live in a very high prestige area. Damn, we do. Yeah, <laughs> we do. I mean, it's you know, it's, it's expensive to live here. Um, very low unemployment. A lot of amazing companies. Um, you know, a lot of people don't realize just how important, say, for instance, cybersecurity is. We just had the the fastest growing cybersecurity startup in history is here in Irvine, and it just sold for one point four billion dollars. Silence. To, yeah, to it's BlackBerry. Cr- it's crazy. crazy. Under five years. Right? And um, but there's so many other you know, yeah. companies like that, that are here. Um, and you know, I, I see a lot of this with my work with the chamber, um, as well, but we are very, very fortunate to live where we do and work in the work in this area. And, and I, you know, I, I really do believe that. And, um, I also think it's, you know, it's an area that's been underutilized from Webster university Irvine standpoint. And so that's, you know, what I've tried to do is really to raise our profile here and I take it very. I take our involvement in the community very seriously. I mm-hmm. make sure that we are involved in as many different ways as we can be, given that, you know lack of resources and lack of manpower and um, those sort, sorts of things, which every company has. And so, um, um, you know, I really, um, I, I do think that we're fortunate to be here and to be a part of this community. And um, you know, we really are happy with um, the partners that we have and. Um, and we're I'm definitely happy fortunate to, to, to have anyone. to have leaders like you who are kind of. I, I love your passion. Well, thank with you. What you do, yeah, I love what we do. I, 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 I can tell. I can tell just know, sitting in front of you that you are super passionate yeah. about this, and you can talk about it all day. I I said it to our president and provost when I was back in St. Louis one time. I said I have drank the Kool Aid. I <laughs> am, you know, I'm a graduate of Webster. I teach at Webster. I'm a staff at Webster. Um, I love what we do. I love how we educate our students. I love that I get to know every single student who walks through our doors um, because we're small enough for me to do that. And I love, um, I just, I love everything about it. It, That's I, awesome. it really is fantastic. That's amazing, Brian. Mm-hmm. All righty. Well, I appreciate you so much for yeah. your time. And Thank you. I look Thanks forward for to uh, seeing you around the block. I yes. know you're going to be doing a lot of, there's, there's a lot we'll going be on out with there. Webster. Yeah, so yes. we'll definitely see each other. Yeah. All right, I appreciate Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Mm-hmm.